we will not copyright or trademark that. Um, the, we do not have the rights to this at all. Please do not sue us. Thank you. Welcome to These Unprecedented Gays, a new podcast starring Paul Smith and Joe Grinelli. Follow us at Pod on Instagram. New episodes every Friday. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Tuggers and Tuggets, to another episode of These Unprecedented Gays. I'm Paul. And I'm Joe. Hey, Joe. So how was your week? I haven't seen you in like two two weeks. weeks. I know. So uh, last week was Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, So also, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you listened to our episode. It was really fun. I listened to it. Um, But my parents actually drove down for Thanksgiving from the Bay Area. Right. They were going to like... Do an Airbnb. Yeah, so they rented a gorgeous beach house in Mission Beach. Mission Bay. Mission Beach. Mission Beach. The one by the roller coaster. Mission Beach? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love my family, but it was a lot. And that's what I'm going to leave it at. A lot for you to take. Yes. And I can take a lot. Actually, that's not accurate. <laughs> Some things, but not other things. Um, but no, it was nice. To, I was it was nice to see my family. My little nephew Dominic is. They grow up so fast. He's almost two. Um, but I brought my dog over, and so it was like stress oh. to the max. Because oh my god, stress to the max. That's my dog's name. Um, but it was like we had a toddler and then a puppy and then family and then COVID and can't leave, and so we're in this house, and I was just like. I'm thankful for my family, but I'm also thankful to be going home to my well, bed. <laughs> and because we had that, like, uh, we had a little COVID scare within our group. <gasps> yes. Because, like, yeah, somebody touch at my on work yeah. had tested positive for COVID. So I'm like, we had to all get tested and I made sure you guys knew. Mm-hmm. And stuff. Well, you were, so you were quick on it on letting us know. I was shocked at how, f- uh, not fast, how long it took you guys to get your results back. Oh my God. Because you got tested worst. on a Monday, right? Yeah, we got tested and on a Monday. And ca- they gave you the results on Thursday? <laughs> on Thanksgiving. I'm like, it's a Thanksgiving miracle! I mean, yeah, you gave thanks to that. But it was kind of like, you're like waiting and checking your watch. Like, okay, like, can you give me the thing? Did you have to call? No. They like sent it by, e- by email. Okay. If they called you, that meant you were positive. Oh. Yeah. And did they, that's, you did the one where they had to basically No, I did the all- spit one. Yeah, they had one where you like continuously spit into a cup till you get to a line. Okay. Which is like, first of all, I don't spit. Second of all, <laughs> um, I also like, they don't let you drink for like half an hour to an hour before the test. And How I long were you waiting? Day. And then the, the wait to in the line to get tested is like two and a half hours about. Oh my and God. so I'm like trying to get spit out. I'm like, blah, blah, are you, blah, blah. wait, did you have the sample cup? While you were waiting in line? Well, they gave it to you right when you got to the front. So there was like one other car in front of you. But I'm sure that woman who was like older than me, I could tell. I was like <laughs> trying to do the same thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Did you oh. both do the spit test? I did. I don't know what Andy did. Um, okay. He's shaking his head yes. Because so. I was going to say, if you guys had to get penetrated by the Q-tip that goes into your brain, I would love to know your experience. <laughs> All the way in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So... 
I don't want to do that, which is another reason why I don't want COVID. I'm also an endurance athlete, and I don't want my heart to have myocardia. So, so like, like, don't get it, guys. I think they stick it up there, and then you they like, keep going. Get fourth grade math. No, <laughs> it's kind of like a lobotomy. It like, really is. Yeah. yeah, I didn't watch the Jack. What's the nurse show? Nurse, doctor, nurse. The one with Dr. Um, Sarah Sarah Paulson. Oh, Ratchet. Yes, Nurse Doctor Ratchet Lady. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> I didn't watch that because I'm like, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you didn't have to do that one. Right. Um, no. So, but Thanksgiving was nice. It was good to see everybody. And then on that Sunday, um, my parents came down. They drove down Wednesday and they left on San- Sunday. Okay. And that Sunday I was like, I just don't want to do anything with my life. And I'm going to sit and relax for the entire day. And I watched Dash and Lily on Netflix. Oh my God, that was so good, wasn't it? It was so cute. I told you. I cried multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> I loved job. it. It was so If you so haven't cute. seen it yet, viewers, I mean, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners. Listeners. <laughs> they could be, I mean, well, maybe. Um, maybe they're looking at our picture while yeah. they're listening. Yeah. So there are viewers. Or maybe they're listening to someone reenacting us like a lip sync and that's a viewing thing. Oh, but like you also told people were kind of where you live. So maybe they found yes. you and they're watching you through a window. I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. Sometimes I'm naked. Pretty sure my neighbors have seen me. Ew. But also like. <laughs> But who hasn't when you're oh. in, you know, like oh. sometimes you forget that the kitchen window is open and like, oh, forget with air quotes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> swinging it around. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Um No, so that was that. Um, I have uh, another thing. So I have a question for you about, um, no, I'm looking through my notes of what I did. Because if I don't write it down, I don't remember. Okay. I'm that person. Right. Right. I know if we talked about the episode where it was like, do you write stuff down or do you like put in your to-do list? I write it down because I'll forget. Um, I have two things though left. So um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I watched a couple episodes and I'm like really into it, even okay. though it's so crazy. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing, you'll probably be like, oh my God, Joe, I can't believe you're just getting to this. But the Casey Musgraves Christmas special. I love that one. So I started watching like four minutes of it today and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a year late. I know. I get it. But, but better like, late than never. But like, go watch it because it's so good. And I, there's so I, many I legit, great people in it. I have it as a reminder tomorrow at seven to watch the Casey Musgraves Christmas special. But isn't that why you're watching Phil of Fortune and Jeopardy? I mean... I can forego Jeopardy. I'm still really sad about Alex Trebek, so I right. feel like Jeopardy's not the same anymore. And Wheel of Fortune, meh, it is what it is. But yeah, I have it as a. Oh no, it didn't. Okay, all right, yeah, it did save. Okay. Well, I was like, wait, oh, I have to get almond milk and pancake mix. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and watch the Casey Musgraves special. So that was my last couple of weeks. What about you? I know that you had um, a, a Thanksgiving feast that you guys cooked, right? Yeah. So we were able to have like Andy's son over, and Nick tested positive too. Our producer, so he came over. He tested positive. Yeah. I mean, tested negative. <laughs> Everybody in the room in the living room studio is like gooped America. They're like, what? Tested negative. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was a positive thing that he tested negative. There there we go. go. (laughs) So he came over and then we had another friend. You said that so nonchalantly. And I was just like, positive, it's fine. (laughs) Come on, COVID. Come through COVID. Oh, it came through. So yeah, so we had like uh like dinner and stuff like that, and Andy made this amazing pot pie with some. I saw your pictures. Yeah, oh, so it was really good. And you guys did a leftover 
what like not quiche but what did you guys make a leftover thanksgiving pie right yeah it's a pot pie so it's oh. like it was all that and then he took the stuffing that was left over and put it on top as like oh. the crumble oh my god in a way, so it was very oh. delicious i'm still eating it and oh. it's like oh i'm yeah. still eating the leftovers too my mom got like 45 pounds of turkey for four people <laughs> from lazy acres <laughs> okay. and i was like um she's like oh you could just take it home and i'm like how what mom i'm one person and i have a week to eat this so i think i had six pounds of turkey that oh, i've been gosh. eating all yeah it's great mm. <laughs> it's been air frying it left and right yay mm. i'm turkeyed out so but like and also you know andy had we tried to serve some wine for people so that brings us to our guest here it in does. the studio that was a nice segue wasn't it i love it, it. Uh, it was the worst but that's okay because that's don't, how we look, run our listeners here. our viewers don't care <laughs> <laughs> they love us for who we are I know. so we in the studio today we have molly brooks and billy nordmeyer who are here and they are sommeliers here in san diego and they also work for different wine and alcohol uh, vendors and stuff. <laughs> Molly, you work for Epic Wines, is that yes, correct? Yes, Epic Wines and Spirits, yeah. And then, Billy, you work... I work for Young's Market. Oh, I love Young's Market. So a friend of mine rivals. is a... Huh? We're rivals. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh. Bitter, bitter oh. rivals. Oh, we got a feud going on. It's like a family it's feud. Like West Side Story up in Never here. saw it, for sure. <laughs> I just know they do the snaps. And they do the, like... Which one is the sharks and which one's the jets? I don't know. <laughs> I know that when we were practicing for Broadway before it got canceled. But Oh, you dropped out. But before yeah. we were doing that, I was like, um, I don't like this version. Well, Billy's probably da, da, Maria. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Wait, Maria? <laughs> There's a Maria character. Oh, is girl, that watch the, the you, movie. Is that how do you solve a problem like Maria? No, no that's not that's music. music. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I'm here. We're good. <laughs> so why don't you guys, Molly, why don't you start and tell everybody a little bit about uh, who you are and your background and everything. After you pour yourself a drink. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to pour for Billy. He's, I, oh. He needs a refresher. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, uh, my name is Molly Brooks. I've... I've lived in San Diego since I was six, so I consider myself a San Diegan at heart. And I've been working in the wine and hospitality industry since I could get a job when I was, well, not wine, but I was working in restaurants starting at 16. And then my first job at 18 was a server at a Sammy's Wood Fired Pizza. Or not when I, yeah, when I was 21, actually. So I started serving and learning more about wine and craft beer and all of these things. And I, that kind of got me rolling on this love for this infinitely interesting beverage and everything that touches it, like spirits and beer. And I am... A glutton for certification, so I've taken a lot of tests to get lots of flair to add to my lapel. Uh, that um, so I'm a advanced sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and level three with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And there's a Spanish wine scholar and French wine scholar certification. And I uh, I'm also a certified Cicerone, which is like a sommelier for beer. And oh, I was going to ask, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, is it just wine or is it, you got the whole shebang? Well, the, the, we'll talk about certifications a little later, I think, but the, but the Somalia certifications include everything. Oh. And, and then, so my day job, I work for Epic Wines and Spirits. I s- sell wine and spirits to restaurant buyers or retailers in the city, not the big chain stores, but 
small mom and pop shops and things like that. And then I'm also on the board of advisors for SOMCON, which is a local conference of wine professionals and wine aficionados. And I teach a couple of classes at SDSU's Business of Wine Certificate Program. Girl, you are busy. That is awesome. I know. So we have a certified awesome person here. Sisters doing it for themselves over here. Yeah, I didn't know there were so many things. That's awesome. So speaking of sisters doing it for themselves, what about you, Billy? (laughs) I like wine. (laughs) (laughs) They are like the best guests because they brought wine. And so Andy and Nick are very happy about that. And they're not going to wine. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've been in San Diego for about 20 years. I'm originally from Hawaii, so oh. as soon as I could get out of the house, I did. Mahalo. I went to culinary school. Uh, Mahalo also. <laughs> Gracias. Out <laughs> of um, high school, I went to culinary school. I thought I'd want to be a cook. It was either mil- military or that. Oh, okay. So that was my, I mean, my first foray into food and beverage. Yeah. And I just really fell in love with... With food, I thought I wanted to cook for the masses, but I really just want to cook for myself, my friends, and my family. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the kitchen is not a fun place to be in. It's super hot. It's it's stressful. You know. I know, girl. You know. I know, I, I, I know I you know you. it well. So, I, I, I didn't want to hang back there anymore. You see all the front of the house managers walking around their fancy suits, swirling swirling their, their wine and talking to guests. I'm like, shit, I want to do that. Like, I want to be that person. Yeah, you want to be part of that world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. So, You're like Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> was In it a vat of wine. Thingamajigs? Thingamajigs. <laughs> the yep. forks, Got yeah. Got plenty. Yeah. <laughs> Got plenty of forks. Um, so I, I uh, started learning more about wine and beverages. It, it's, it's natural to learn. It's the other side of the coin when after, your, after food. Now uh, I don't really separate the two. I'm always thinking of one or the other. Um, I worked in uh, hotels, um, standalone restaurants. And now, as of last year, I moved over to the distributor side of it. So... I'm a my my title with Young's Market is a wine educator, but I just function as a specialist with all of our reps and with all of our customers that we work with, finding them, you know, the the right wines for their program and kind of acting like a consultant, if you will, for them. So um, as far as, you know, certifications and all that fun stuff, you know, I'm also certified with the Quartermaster Sommeliers. I'm a certified SOM with them. I'm a diploma candidate with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, French wine scholar, Spanish wine scholar, Italian wine specialist with NASA. Um Let's see what else. Mezcal, some Mezcal certifications, and a certified specialist of wine, which hopefully I'll turn it out into a certified wine educator, um, probably first quarter next year or so. So, yeah, lots of, lots of studying, lots of wine things. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a, a, a passion. It's, it's, it's difficult sometimes and it's a struggle and it, it's, it kicks us in the ass, but it is something that, you know, we do because, you know, we love it. And okay, so you keep saying quartermasters. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is that? So, for our listeners who don't know, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Court of Master Sommeliers is an independent, private organization that gives exams that certify people at different levels depths of knowledge, I guess you could say. And the exams, there are four exams, and I usually say that they're analogous to getting different degrees, right? So the intro level SOM exam is about as much knowledge as you need for an associate's degree. The certified level, which is the second level, is like having a bachelor's degree. The advanced sommelier certificate is like having a master's degree. And then the master sommelier certificate is basically like having a PhD in wine. And that is also analogous to how much time and 
level of experience that most people need to pass those certain exams within the industry. And they are, well, they are probably the most well-recognized certification for people that work in restaurants. And a big portion of that is that they're the main body that includes restaurant service and questions about working in restaurants on their exams. A lot of the other wine certification certifications are more just about wine knowledge specifically. And the court actually tests people on math for running restaurant programs on pop and on service on the restaurant floor. And so that's kind of why they're more well-recognized on the restaurant side of things and the restaurant industry, hospitality industry. And then the wine and spirits education trust is probably the best recognized on the purely wine knowledge viticulture side. And that leads up to the master of wine credential. Oh, that's the highest tier. Wow. Jeez. So (laughs) what you say, okay. So I'm, I'm looking at it like an academics point of view where it's like two years, four years, five years, seven years, right? Did you both take that long to get those certifications or were you ahead of the game? Like, cause seven years is a long time. I don't know. It's it's hard to quantify it really for yeah. me anyway because it's it's not something that I actually it's not like going entering a school program or a scholastic program where you like here's your start date, here's here's the middle and here's the end. It's not really like that. It's very open-ended based upon like our our own, you know, schedules, life as well as as our determination really. So it's it's hard to say. I I would say I've been studying wine probably since I was in culinary school, which is 1999. <laughs> um, so a good, a good old amount of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you weren't even born yet. You're like a twin <laughs> Oh my god! Wow, I do. <laughs> You're a zygote somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, look at you with the biological. No, as well, in another way of it being open ended, there is literally no syllabus for the court of master sommeliers. Right. They say this is the world of wine. Go. Learn it, and we're going <laughs> to test you on it. Right. And so it's it's hard to know what you have to. Be involved in study groups to, and and talk to people who have take, taken the tests in the past to know how deep you have to go for each level. So chronologically speaking, I passed intro in January of 2011. I passed certified in November of 2013, and I passed advanced in July of 2016. And at that point, I decided that I was not going to push forward to go to the master exam. And in the past couple of years since that decision, I've made the decision to most likely not ever take the master sommelier exam. And it's not really related to a lot of the scandal that's been happening recently. It's just personally not really going to help my career since I've gone towards the distribution and sales person side of things. Yeah, same. And so it's sort of like, why spend the time and the money and the stress to take this crazy exam when it's not going to change my salary, really? It's not going to change a lot of the opportunities that I'm going to have. Right. It almost kind of sucks the joy out of it sometimes, like Uh, studying so much and and being so deep in something that you, you really love for so many reasons, but day after day learning about soil types and climate and all these little like minutiae and small things that like there there was a moment like I would say maybe a year ago or so I was just like 
the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm not, this is not <laughs> like, fun. I don't care. It doesn't spark we're joy. E for explicit. E for explicit. <laughs> right. Oh, I sorry. think we're always explicit. Sorry, my bad. No, no, no. Swear um, away. <laughs> we got to teach the children young along. <laughs> it doesn't spark joy, right? It, it didn't do that for me. It was starting to oh, not. I love Kondamari. <laughs> well, but, so uh, how yeah. expensive are the certifications? Oh, for um, those of the listeners that may be interested or maybe like you've piqued their interest and right. maybe they're curious. I mean, cause it's not just only a time investment that you then have to dedicate, which mm-hmm. again, time is money, but then also there's a dollar amount, like how expensive it's, it's are It's a they? real dollar amount attached to it. And I think the difficult part is there's so many different certifications or classes to take. And it's per, right? And yeah. Ooh. And it's, you know, what's funny, like talking about wine, there are so much, so many if, ands or buts. Like anything we say is going to be an if and or but. About <laughs> but. Yeah. yeah. Lots but. of buts. <laughs> Lots of buts. Seriously. We could talk about wine law and there's like, well, but this, this, and this, right? But Ugh, so, so it, there, there are, so generalities like we can definitely make, but it almost depends like why people are taking certifications. I think most people listening would be more interested in, in, in just enriching themselves and just, just becoming more well-rounded and better, better um, wine people or connoisseurs. So there's different programs for that. Like, um, I would think the Wine and Spirits Education Trust is a really good route for, for them to just kind of get some really basic, well-rounded knowledge. I don't know if the Court of Masters is really for someone who's not in the industry or is not a, a, a professional. They won't be able to go very far or, mm-hmm. or really succeed because it's so industry-driven. Sommeliers are really service people. At one point, they tested you on cigars and cigar service. But that that's huh. like that's since been the removed. Tip off the cigar, mm-hmm. and then well, you can't legally smoke in any restaurant in the United States. <laughs> right. So. But that doesn't matter because that's what they're testing. <laughs> you have you to know. Right. It's and, kinda, and and like with that service, they're also like you have to be able to know like okay, if the, one of the guests wants a scotch and they're having a certain type of steak Absolutely. or a certain type of dish, you have to know which one is going to go best with that. Right. And why and Absolutely, explain yeah. that to those guests. Correct. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's one of the things that they do. So you're not only have I had to, to make wine. a cocktail at my mm-hmm. advanced exam. I had to answer questions about cocktails and then make a cocktail right. while I was talking, answering questions about wine and decanting wine. And where the server is just going to be like, uh, this is our specials. This is what I'm Here's the list of <laughs> our scotches. Yeah, right. I'll send a sommelier over to answer your questions in a second. <laughs> so it's, it's all encompassing then, not just wine. Correct. Yeah, right. the sommelier, yeah. And that's the difference between something like the Court of Master Sommeliers because they talk about wine and beer and aperitifs and cocktails and spirits. And then the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, you can really just go on the wine track. Right. And as far as cost is concerned, I'm thinking about all the different things that I've paid for, and most of them are between a thousand and two thousand dollars to sign up. And so, with the court of master sommeliers, you're only paying for the exam and no materials and no classes. And the wine and spirits education trust, you're paying for the class and the test. Well, it's an in-class and thing. then all the wine you're drinking to help you study, like, right. and, and that yeah, I make that separate. sound like a joke, but it's really not because, like, oh, Andy it's used to really do intense too. Oh yeah, because Andy used to do study groups at the house, and people would come over, and with Billy would come over and stuff like that, and they all would bring a couple of bottles, mm-hmm. and then they would just test each other on kind of things. So it's, work. it's like, yeah, it is work. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. actually doing studying, even though they're drinking. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> y'all are studying. How do you then like delineate the two? Because you obviously have a passion for wine and you obviously have a passion for the industry. How does it then creep to a point where it becomes kind of 
like the appeal and everything, because you're putting so much energy into learning that it, like you said, becomes less fun. Like, when do you make that decision? I think it's different for everyone and in every situation. I think, I think our world is so situational. At any time you put an alcoholic beverage in front of either of us, I think there's, there's always a part in your brain that's a little analytical about it and, and trying to figure it out or think about it. But because, because we're, we're professional hospitality people, we know how to turn things on and turn it off. And I think that's, that's where it was formed with me. I'm not sure mm. if it's the same with Molly, but growing up in restaurants and being in that environment, you, you really kind of learn like, when the party's yours and when it's not and hmm. how and how you can just kind of help enrich it like a dj basically playing music or are you attending a party that's a right? good analogy it's, it's, it's a two ways to look at it and i learned that in restaurants and the, the differences between the two it it sounds way too simplified but it a lot of it has to do with the time of day when you're doing this and <laughs> and that's related to the kind of experience that you join together with your fellow wine lovers for if it's in the morning, you're probably doing a blind tasting exercise and you're spitting everything out and you're you're being <laughs> most of us are spitting everything out and you are bringing a wine that's very specific. Uh, there's a set of agreed upon fair wines to bring. Right. And so everyone's very regimented about their blind tasting in the morning because everyone has a full day of work ahead of them or even if they have the day off, you know, you've got a bunch of other shit to get done. And if it's after five and people are coming over for a bottle share, I'm still going to want to know all the things. Like if you bring a cool bottle, I'm going to ask you all the things about it because I want to learn, but I'm going to drink it and enjoy it. And I'm going to be okay with getting a buzz or, you know, even a little drunk or whatever. <laughs> and so that's kind of where the like, is it fun? It's always enjoyable, but are we having a fun time or are we having a constructive educational time? That's, that's fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to pivot here real quick because you mentioned something and I know that I've seen your Instagram posts and everything, um, about this and stuff like that, but talk to me about the scandal with the court of masters. Well, I mean, which one? I know. <laughs> where, where, where do you want to start? I, well, you know, I think you start for the, with the first one. Yeah. We got to take it back. How many are there? Take it back. She's like Timberland. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so okay. So the master sommelier exam is, has been deemed one of the hardest tests to pass harder than the bar. The pass rate is 1%, something like that. In the world. How many are there total? There are currently about 260, um, f about 30 of them are female, and oh. uh, yeah, so... You got that stat, it's right behind you, <laughs> <laughs> and you got, I'm like, damn! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so she knows her stuff. <laughs> um, so there, you know, every year, somewhere between two and eight people pass. They only give it once a year. And right. And if you ever want to see what people go through to, to get to this mm -hmm. level, you can watch the movies. There's documentaries called Psalm yeah. and Psalm 2 and stuff like that that show what people do and how hardcore it really is. That's, That's crazy. crazy. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hard. So, so in 2018, uh, and it's always like 60-ish people that take the exam. So in 2018, the same amount of people took the exam and 25. Four people. Passed. Oh, I remember this. And everyone was like, "That is bizarre." Brilliant. Yeah, like these. What a great class we had. Some people were like, "Whoa, was there? Is there something fishy going on?" But <laughs> oh my god, recount. 
But a lot of these oh my people, God. <laughs> you know, Enter Georgia. Things, right? Like there are a lot of these people that have taken this test like nine times because you, you, there are three different parts and you have to pass all three of them within three years and you can reset. And so some people are like, well, maybe it was just that year when like everyone had the same kind of like focus. The planets aligned. And, and wait, right. so you don't have a cap of how many times you can take it? Before no. they say, maybe this isn't for you. They, they, <laughs> or well, I guess they'll take their money. It's fine. Yeah, right. That's basically, there are times, there are a couple people that have been told that they will probably never pass. <laughs> and that's because they've oh. been, there are some people that are not a good representation of the quote unquote brand and therefore will never pass, which is something that the masters won't say that out loud. Right. Um, yeah, which is a scandal in itself. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because you've got this prestigious title. Mm-hmm. So anyway... This is laughable considering what's happened in the past couple of years. And uh, so these 24 people passed. And then like two weeks after they passed, the court sent an email to everyone who has ever taken a court of Master Sommelier's exam, which is probably 10,000 people because it includes all the intro people. And they sent an email out saying there was cheating and we are going to revoke the pins of everybody that passed, and and we'll follow up with more information. Not really That's necessary to tell everybody. Right? Like, couldn't you just told the twenty four people? <laughs> so everyone, That's some you know, petty stuff. Everyone's texting each other. Did you get the email? Oh my god, what's going who on? Was and it? Yeah. Who was it? Yeah, who was it? And and there there is a song from San Diego who passed, and so. There's a muckraking journalist on the UT that basically made it sound like he was the cheater. And if you know Josh, he is the purest. He's basically a non-Mormon awesome. Mormon. And he's the like he's a great mentor. He's a genius. And he's such a pure person that there was no way that he had anything to do with this thing. And then it came out a couple weeks later that one of the master sommeliers was the actual source of the cheating. He had sent in an email to, I think, three people the initials of two of the grapes that were in the blind tasting. Which is a big deal. Like the morning That is a big deal, yeah. Yeah. So basically the answer. Yeah, basically. You said to three people? Two or three people. Well, then they obviously dispersed it. Well, so that's the thing, right? The court didn't know who they had talked to about it. So they had to, in their mind, invalidate all of the results. And then they gave everyone that didn't pass actually they gave everyone that even took the test the blind tasting they gave them another two more chances to pass within the year to to have it still count so i think eight people that originally had their pins taken away passed a second time maybe like because they did the hard work and were actually they were probably the eight that were supposed to get yeah well the crazy thing is you know like blind tasting is is it is a deductive process and there's a skill to it, but also there people's everyone's palate is different and they're more or less sensitive to certain kinds of things. So if you get wines that you love and you're like, oh, that's a ringer, I know that's Chablis and I know that's Pinot Noir from Burgundy, then you're in luck. But if you're the kind of person that has a really hard time smelling black pepper and Syrah, then and you get Sarah, you could go out a left field because you just didn't catch that one thing. Hmm. It's and so subjective. It is. It, it, it's hard to say that it's a, an objective process. You can get points, whatever. So anyways, that's that's a scandal. And Josh, <laughs> scandal one. Josh, by the way, the San Diegan 
tested again and passed twice. So yeah, he's a legend. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he has two pins. He has two pins. <laughs> Wait, yeah. really? One of the few people with two pins for the first time. He didn't. They didn't physically back. take the pin away. Oh, they just revoked the title. The first yeah. sell one. The he first was event he went to, culture. he was wearing like one on each lapel. I was like, yes, man. Um, so that was one of the first scandals because a lot of people were like, there's no transparency here. Like who let the dog out of the bag and who like also the people that received the email was sort of like somebody sent them an email and they opened it. And it's definitely like the person that sent the email's fault. But how much is it the fault of the people that opened the email? Right. Or, and it's Can't just unsee like, that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it could yeah. have been just like, oh, they just opened an email. And they're like, oh shit and you know like there was maybe there was an opportunity in the first few hours of that morning to say something but whatever so a lot of people got like really weirded out by the way that the court handled it yeah and lots of controversy with that and how the court handled it yeah. definitely split camps like did they handle it correctly or didn't they yeah and th- we're just gonna of... say no here <laughs> <laughs> right, right. well yeah and but then you know people continued to take the exams uh for the next couple of years and so I guess that leads us to the second scandal, the more recent scandal, and um, that well, the re- revelation of the scandal is more recent. The actual scandal has been ongoing probably since the inception of the court, and that is there were a group of women that enlisted the help of a New York Times writer to go on record and discuss their experiences of sexual discrimination, sexual harassment, and sexual assault by members of the court of master sommeliers. Wow. And Not even members, just master sommeliers. Right. So be, sorry, the master specific. sommeliers. These people that are in this, these men, it was all men that had been named, in positions of power that had been exposing themselves to women, that had been propositioning them, that had been basically offering them quid pro quo sexual wow. for sexual favors to, for advancement in the court and things like that. And I mean, let's be real, like quartermasters and just the world of sommeliers and just restaurants in general is a very straight male. white male mm-hmm. dominated industry. Mm-hmm. So it's already hard enough for any person of color or a woman, mm-hmm. or uh, homosexual, lesbian, whoever, any minority, that yeah, any minority fit the bill. whatsoever, yeah. to kind of um, do anything and get along and get. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, I would be remiss if I didn't interject another scandal that happened in between this during all of the Black Lives Matter and racial justice protests okay. earlier this year. The court, which is a private organization, and theoretically they can do or not do whatever they want, say and not say whatever they want. They don't, they're not really beholden, but they were completely silent on the issues of systemic racism and racial discrimination. And they got called out by a bunch of prominent good uh, African-American and other Psalms of color saying like, why aren't you saying something about these issues that are, that we all face in our day-to-day lives in the restaurant industry? Right. So that's wow. another another chip. Off it adds of them. the layers. Wow. Yeah. Well, so as as a woman in the industry, how did that affect you? Um. Well, I wasn't surprised. I was <laughs> frankly, I was actually approached by the women that um, were writing the article and really? the New York Times writer, and I decided not to go on record because my issues were kind of 
microaggressions and I felt like they kind of watered down the story that these other women had. Mm-hmm. And because I don't know, there's something in the back of my mind that's always like, what is the critic going to say about this? If I write like, Oh, someone flirted with me and it made me feel uncomfortable. Like that has still valid though, but yeah, sure. it's still valid and yeah. it's still, it's still not what you, you weren't asking for that. And it's still yeah. somebody taking advantage of yeah. their, their stature and where they're at. I mean, that's, right. that's not okay, but I get where you're coming from though, too, because if you're looking at some of these women and they've had this sexual like, assault, yeah, it's like it's, he, he put his hand up my dress or something like that. That's, yeah. you know, it makes you look at it. And it's like, okay, maybe, but still, it still is a valid. So know, the way but, it makes me feel is that I'm so glad that these women felt like they were willing to put their names on the line yeah. in a global forum and they've definitely sparked a movement uh that has called some people are calling for the dissolution of the court some people are calling for and this is actually a step that was just completed today the board itself was dismembered and then they voted on a new board of advisors oh good hopefully it's a little bit more diverse It, it is i mean if you look at the makeup of the court of master sommeliers it's mostly white dudes (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and then most of the women are white as well. It's mostly white people. There are a couple of African-American people. There's one woman that's of uh, Indian, Southeast Asian descent. There's a couple of Asian gentlemen. Um, so, but the, but the new board does look a lot more diverse than the old okay. board. And there were really serious issues of non-transparency. Most of the master sommeliers had no idea that this any of this was going on. I mean, there were some notorious <laughs> yeah, people, people. With, with some reputations yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's, what's crazy about it, though, the, the, the transparency issue has been a long one, even with the testing, mm-hmm. especially at the master level. You never get to see... Uh, 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 your rubric score. or your scores. You get to see get scores out. or you get feedback, but no one actually tells you like, here's what the blind flight was or here's exactly this wine. <sighs> so they could still reserve. Or the answers to the question. Right. They could still reserve this, well, this it's a private, discrimination. It's a private thing. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? It, it is, but it also ruins the credibility. And that, and that's why Molly had been, mentioned earlier about like, you know, there's people who have been told just to stop because you don't represent the court well. But what if they knew? All, what if they know all the answers? What if they could take a test well? Mm-hmm. They should still be able to pass, right? Right. Yeah. So this transparency issue is systemic for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I part of me thinks it's a little. It's too little, too late in a lot of ways. But we'll see. There's actually master sommeliers who have given up their titles. Really? They they, they spent their entire lives, adult lives, earning this thing, and and out of as to make a statement and out of whatever else they're feeling, disgust or anything else, they just like. I, I, I'm giving us up t- my title up. I don't want it anymore. After all the work and money that yeah. they put into it. Can you it. imagine? And the that's world's hardest volume, Well, though. to be fair, becoming a master sommelier is in and of itself, in some ways, a moneymaker. Oh, yeah. The, right. the people that gave up their pins had their own businesses. Correct, correct. And or they were working at some of the best restaurants in... Well, very few master sommeliers actually work in restaurants. Right. Oh. They've already made their names for themselves. Oh, yeah. right, what right. did they do then? They were struggling. They own their own. So um, in particular, two of the people that gave up their titles, one of them owns several wine projects around the world. Um, so he has his name attached to um, different wineries. And then one of them runs an like a online wine retail club. Hmm. 
Um, So So they had backup plans. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I don't need my title because I'm rich. (laughs) Right, right. right. Um, So we're going to like pivot again and we're going to like get some like lighthearted stuff going. So I'm a Taurus. Can I just mention one thing really (laughs) quick? Because I think one of the things that's being missed in the conversation about the court and the sexual harassment and abuse is that it's it it's a huge deal in the court right because there's this power dynamics and um it's caused women to leave the certification process entirely but it's an industry-wide issue it's i mean it's a society-wide issue but it's something that i experience you know in in my role on the floor as a manager in my role in sales for sure with other with buyers and so I, I don't want people to think that like the court, it's not gotcha g- journalism, right? We got right. the court and they're done and we're, and now the world is a perfect place. Cause let me tell you, working in a kitchen, um, mm-hmm. as a gay man mm. and like going into one, like, because the one I work in, it, you know, coming in, it was hyper masculine. So I felt like I had to hide who I was. So I was very butch. I think we I mean, all yeah. really. <laughs> I feel like it kind of applies. I mean, similar story to me too. Like working in biotech is very straight male oriented. It's engineering, and I'm right. like obviously a beautiful homo. Um, <laughs> but same sort of thing. You go in, and so I feel like we're all sharing a very unique and similar story yeah. that is actually pretty not uncommon, right? So I think people need. To, I think a part of the training that we receive as people in this industry and in any industry really is to be given the tools to address these problems as they arise in a safe space and a safe manner. Absolutely. So that the people that are perpetrating these issues know that it's not right right away, and the people that are being injured by these issues feel like it's okay to speak up and also feel protected. Mm-hmm. So that was. Just I'm glad cool. you. Love that. All right. So here we go. So my first question for you is when people know that you're a SOM, do they just assume you're a wine snob or (laughs) do they become wine snobs themselves when they know that you're a SOM? Well, I think for me, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. And it depends on the situation. If I'm in a restaurant situation and they meet me as a sommelier, typically they want to tell me what they know and they want to show off and talk about their wine knowledge. And and that's great because, you know, we're good listeners at the end of the day being in service. But in my personal life or just, you know, around friends and family or meeting new people, if I find that out, I don't necessarily think that they think I'm a snob per se, but they do make the like, oh, ha ha, like fancy kind of like <laughs> joke or laugh about it, which is cute. And I think, I think, I think it's funny. Like, what's your French word? <laughs> right. Cigarette, hands That French ass name, <laughs> But, um, you know, a- anything like think meeting a rocket scientist, I would probably make a random joke for them or something. Like, yeah, I don't know, that's but true. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't know about you, Molly. I think sometimes, I don't think people think I'm a snob. I think they just get kind of nervous if we're in a scenario where they have to pick a wine or they brought a wine and they're worried that you're going to judge them. Oh, you're totally judging You're asking, right. you're answering all <laughs> of my garbage, questions. I was you. like, do people get intimidated? <laughs> well, that's why when I throw a party, well, mo- most of my good friends are in the wine, wine industry people. as well. Yeah. But if I'm throwing a party and people are coming that aren't wine people... All I have to say to them is, you don't have to worry about bringing wine. I have so much wine at home. You know, don't feel nervous about picking something yeah. out nice from the 
whatever your local store is. I have plenty of wine. You bring something else that you're excited about that that I can learn from you about. Because Let me translate that. that. Leave your garbage yellow tail at home. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have the wine. That's I the translation. I have some menage a trois. My dad God. texted Franzia. me this morning. He was like, I feel like a real wine professional because I could identify a a bottle in the in someone's Zoom background, and it was like an MSNBC picture, and it was 19 crimes. <laughs> like, oh, awesome, though. I'm sorry. Okay, dad. <laughs> dad. I feel like that is a crime in and of itself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 20 crimes now. <laughs> See, because Andy knows so many, like, wine people and stuff like that, I've gotten to where I know some terms, so I can just drop those in a... At a like when people are swirling their wine, I'm like, oh my god, that has great legs. You like carbonic maceration. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, it has, it has notes of underbrush. <laughs> Come through viscosity. Yeah, exactly. Is that right? Like a non tasting note. And I feel so special. I need to be a little fruit forward like me. <laughs> Stop it. All right. So, Molly and then Billy, what are some of your favorite wines and why? Ooh, can we, are we talking kind of just, I would say for general categories, my heart says champagne, but my bank account says cava. Uh, So I drink a lot of what we call traditional method sparkling wine. So wine that's made the same way as champagne, which is different than the way that Prosecco is made. So just so everybody knows, uh, champagne and sparkling wine are like thumbs not all sparkling wines are champagne, but all <laughs> champagnes are sparkling wine. Right. We have so, that's actually, um, so there's a butt to that. There's yeah, butts. But like your thumb is a finger, but not all fingers are thumbs. Oh. Square rectangle. Yeah. Oh. Right. And there's I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. So cava is sparkling wine made the same way as champagne, but it's from Spain. I don't know how Spain does it or why they do it, but pretty much everything from Spain is ridiculously value driven. Like that, like the quality is great and the price is half of what you can find anywhere else. Which leads me to my next favorite category: Iberian whites. Anything from the Iberian Peninsula, which is Spain oh, I and love Portugal. a nice Iberian white, too. <laughs> That's your drag name. Coming to the stage is Iberian white. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so much. There, most white wine from Spain and Portugal doesn't see a lot of oak, so it's very light and crisp and acid-driven, very great food-pairing wines. Because oak is what gives you that butteriness, right? That people usually get. Um, the, well, color, right? the butteriness actually comes from what's called malolactic fermentation. But uh, <laughs> oh, come through with your science! <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> um, malic acid, like apples, turn into lactic acid, like milk. So that's where the creamy butteriness comes from, and it's actually the same chemical that's used to flavor popcorn butter. Okay, well then, fuck me then. I guess. <laughs> but, but they usually go hand in hand. They usually go hand in hand. Like with California Chardonnay, usually put some oak on it. You get those like vanilla butterscotch flavors, and then like the buttery thing is something that kind of goes hand in hand with that style. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those are my kind of go tos, even. In the wintertime, I'm just like, I always want something refreshing. Yeah, come through Iberian White. I have a follow-up question that is an additional to Paul's question. So those are your favorites, but what is your favorite guilty pleasure wine slash drink that you may not want people to know that you like? Oh, Oh, Well, guilty pleasure, the first thing I thought about was expensive whites that you splurge on. Not like... Not like a cheesecake behind your couch at midnight. Or like maybe... (laughs) I think what I was trying to think of was like maybe like... 
if you said it aloud, you'd be like, oh my god, I can't, I don't want people to know that oh, I'm like this. Trader Joe's two buck chuck. <laughs> like, you like Franzia. No. Like, Franzia really hits a spot for you. Um, If it's applicable, if not, then that's fine too. I mean, I would say more like, I don't drink a lot of things that are sweet because I'm on like the keto train. But every now and then, I'm like really down for a tiki drink. Which tend to be very sweet. It's pure sugar, yeah. But <laughs> but as long as there's enough of like an herbaceous quality to balance it out, well like, balanced rum. There's um oh there's a what's the tiki place by craft in craft and commerce? Oh, false idol. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they make a chartreuse swizzle, which is kind of a tiki drink, and it's like chartreuse liqueur with like rum, and it's it's spicy and herbaceous, but also sweet. Mm. So it's got That's nice me. Balance. I'm spicy in our face. You are <laughs> and also sweet. I know. <laughs> All right, so Billy, what about you? Your favorite wines, why, and your guilty pleasure? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard question because my, my question back would be like, where am I? Who am I with? What am I eating? Oh, Lord. So I'm going to give you... <laughs> no, it's so real. Paul's like, like, oh, my God. Now. Okay. <laughs> it's situational. Like, it's like a personality test. It, it depends. It's absolutely situational. It's like, like it's, your underwear. Yeah. Depends. Yes. <laughs> if you wear some. Yeah, if you choose to wear any. We um, don't judge. So, so for me, generally speaking, I would say rosés and light-bodied red wines is pretty much what I drink like year-round. So that's... Something that's very accessible, something that is usually unoaked, things that are well, still fruity enough to just kill a bottle without having to eat a, 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 a eat with it or ha- have steak or any Jeez. kind of food. Just really easy to drink. So that's kind of where I'm at. So as far as rosés go, you know the the lighter hued Provençal Provençal style rosés of South France um, are usually where I gravitate to and then light body red wines. I'm loving Spain for that. There's this really pretty yeah, you guys um, are in love with Spain. Just yeah. move there. Well, oh, Spanish is great. Great. Spanish wine right, scholar, right. So. Yeah, we just took a Spanish wine scholar uh, course in exactly. Uh, okay. so, we get to explore see. a lot of the hidden gems. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, so you guys have wine in your hands that Andy has poured. Oh my God. So we're going to put you uh, on the spot yeah. and I okay. want you to like you know, do your little sommelier thing all right, and all right. like, tell our v- our listeners about it. Ooh, for oh, the wow. record, for the record, the room smells like pine, heavy, heavy, heavy pine, and that is not ideal for uh, blind, blind, blind <laughs> You smell lines. like pine, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a pie pie song. <laughs> I'm like, mm. you know, you know what's funny? We walk into exams sometimes, and this happened to me once. And I sat down next to somebody, and all I could smell was perfume. I was gonna I was say, yeah. like, oh, no, yeah. girl. I was like, hmm. Just uh, like when I'm in a kitchen, and you're like, and you walk by somebody, and then. Like, have heavy like deodorant or cologne. I'm like, yeah. um, bitch, what? excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I moved, I moved because so I'm just like, what? what? Yeah, it impairs it's your ability to actually do what you need right. to do. Right? It's actually yeah. really full pot too. Like, yeah. it's not something that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so don't say pine as your first answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so pot. Well, first one when we blind taste, right? We 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 look at the hue. So that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to we're Ooh. looking at the hue of the wine. We're trying to understand like how its opacity, how Oops. opaque it is. This wine, I can see through it, but not not easily. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. And then also another thing we start to assess is um, how it affects the glass. Like they're it, swirling everybody. Yeah, they're we're swirling, swirling the wine. We're, Look at we're that. Looking, oh. Those ha- that has great legs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to have a, a note on legs. <laughs> 
<laughs> because legs, the legs, and when you swirl the glass, right, it's the dripping that comes down the side. What's your and sugar content, right? It's relative to sugar and alcohol and overall viscosity, the weight of the yep. wine, and also if it if there are if there's coloring in the legs, that has to do with um, skin contact. And the amount, because there's more skin contact is more color in the wine. It can actually sometimes coat the glass. Mm. Um, and so if you have a light-bodied wine like Pinot Noir that you want to not have a lot of sugar or a lot of extra color or a lot of alcohol, you don't really want legs. Oh. Or, but if you have something like big and um, unctuous like Zinfandel, mm. then you kind of do want like me. I know legs. I want legs <laughs> to Billy be able is, to walk. Billy is big and unctuous. Yes. <laughs> Just like anybody who's out there might be single or something. Are you single? Oh, uh, DM me. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> we can also do a matchmaking game, too. I mean, yes. hey, this is two for one podcast, right? <laughs> All right. So, okay. where are we at? So, we're at that it's a little bit transparent. So, in our head, we're thinking thin ish skinned grape. And that puts us at grapes like things that are. T- tend to have more transparent, translucent coloring are Pinot Noir, Grenache, uh, Nebbiolo, sometimes Sangiovese, Gamay. So these are all like, this is what's swirling around in my head. Right. It's a deductive tasting process. It's a deductive process. So we start. Like a flow chart. So, so, so mm-hmm. the wine is red. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. We didn't we say that. that, that would have been my contribution. Yeah. <laughs> should be like, it's red and it smells like grapes. <laughs> you win, Paul. You win. So, so the 100%. wine is red. So we've cut out all the white wines in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, and so now, it's not a Chardonnay. It's not. It's not <laughs> white. So it's why it's deductive. So we start with everything and then you slowly get down to what it could be mm-hmm. for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one then, thing, oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go. I'll say another thing I noticed is like there might be some, normally we would see this on a really, really white, light colored background, um, but there might be some rim variations, so some color changing around the rim. He, he did that on purpose. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> rim variations, we're all aware of that. That's the H test, by the way, if you never know. Don't ask for ID that's uncomfortable, you just count the rings. My bad. Okay, my guys went, <laughs> I went way left field with that. My bad. Wait, I totally did not get that. Can you explain to our listeners? We'll have a private. We'll have a private class. Okay. <laughs> I will just sit here in the corner, not knowing. Can someone text me what that is? Sorry, we are way off topic. My but bad. But I, I agree with you on the fact that this is a wine that, uh, like. It starts off in the very core of it, very ruby, and then as you go out, it's a little more brickish. Okay, I agree. Like so, so th- that that yeah. I could tell you a lot of things. It could tell you possibly age in the wine. It could possibly tell you how it's how it was stored. Uh, it, it's 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 none of these things are anything you draw a conclusion on. By the way, it's just all these little facts you're building an in your argument. Head. Exactly, and all you're yeah. doing is looking at the color and how it swirls in the glass right now, right. and right. that's yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Everyone that's not watching, but listening. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have those ideas in our head. Um, things. Oh, now we're sniffing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, well, one, one <laughs> of us are. <laughs> like, trying to say hi. Like, yeah. Huffing. <laughs> Talk about huffing the wine. Yeah. Um, and then wine? when you smell, do you um. open your mouth? <laughs> fine. But when, you, when, you, when you're breathing in, do you open your mouth? Because sometimes I know some people do that so that they can actually get that I do with only high alcohol things. Oh, okay. Like I, I generally keep my 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 mouth, yeah, Yeah. with spirits. Mm -hmm. So we both judge spirits and wines professionally as well. Hmm. Um, and and spirits because of the high alcohol content, you You keep your mouth open, give it an escape. Oh, really? Up your nose and then burning. Oh Oh, my gosh! Wow. Have you ever been burned in your nose by 
sniffing something? By oh, we have shaking it. heads. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are, it's a dangerous thing to do then. It yeah. is, yeah. yes. We put our life on the line. Well, it hurts your nostrils sometimes. So, so just right now, what you've been doing and stuff like that, just because you haven't actually really, I mean, you've tasted it, but we haven't gotten to like the tasting notes yet. Mm-hmm. Is it, in your opinion, right now, a good wine? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I think, okay. so we, we talk about, you know, youthful, developing, aged, and I would call it developing right. because the fruit is not all super fresh. It's a teenager. That's like me. Right. I'm developing still. <laughs> so Going through second puberty. Right, yeah. yeah so so th- this wine is maturing and, and maturing in a really nice way. So when we say that maybe the fruit's not fresh, it's like the fruit's not really primary and in, in your face. There's other things, secondary and third tertiary type things that start being becoming apparent in the wine. And I do smell the development of the 13. fruit, right? Mm-hmm. The fruit is starting to smell a little dried or right, it's um, not like Ew, pic- don't be talking about me raisins. like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're matured. <laughs> you smell dry. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's not like you're picking a fresh strawberry. It's like you are having like a dried strawberry that's in a like oh. a bunch of dried fruit. Oh, right. That I like kind that. Of or a roll up. Still or delicious. Up. Did you just call like me dry fruit? fruit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my drag name. But yeah. It's, <laughs> concentr- it? it's concentrated white? flavors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> Until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they're tasting. Yeah. Now. So yeah. Yeah. We're, we're smelling wine. So uh, as far as like primary fruit that we smell here, um, red fruit kind of off the bat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like in your cherries, raspberries, um, n- not, not super tart red fruit, but pretty ripe red fruit, the strawberries, cherries, um, I don't know, um, red currant type world for me. Mm. And kind of like compote Yeah. Like mm. it's like in a, in a, in a jam or in a oh. pie, pie filling. Ooh, yeah. Kind of. So the condition of the fruit is important because it tells you a lot about the climate. Huh. Is the fruit underripe, ripe, overripe, stewed, jam, cooked, baked? Like all of these things give you clues, and that's all we're looking for is clues. Yeah. So we're we're like a crime scene detective right now. Like they're like the Scooby Gang, right? Right. <laughs> and they would have gotten through with it if it weren't for those dang nabbit kids. <laughs> so when do you actually taste it? <laughs> You're like, oh, this show is uh, an hour long. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Because I love how you like. Are you all going to taste this? No, I'm curious because, like, is it, like, how much of a sensory experience do you have to do to do your deduction before you actually then taste it? Is it all the prep work and then, like, you taste it and you're like, oh, everything that I thought was right? Oh, it's all sensory. That's a part of it, too, is, like, you smell it first and then you taste it and... And you're kind of looking to confirm that everything that you taste is also what you smell Mm -hmm. because it should be because you're, when you, you know, 90% of your sense of taste is actually the the flavor molecules evaporating in your mouth that you're mm-hmm. actually smelling because those flavor molecules then go back up to the same place that your it's a your orthonasal receptor and your retronasal nasal receptor go to the same place and all you really get on your tongue are structural sensations which is another part of the tasting part of it and when we talk about structure we're talking about tannin acid weight alcohol sweetness sweetness so those are that's the sweet, sour, bitter, umami. Those are the things that you're the only real things that your tongue can identify. Everything else is your brain analyzing these aroma molecules, whether they come from your nose or from your mouth cavity. Um, 
So if you want to think about something, maybe don't think about it next time. Yeah. (laughs) It's like literally speaking, everything you smell, you are tasting. Like everything you smell is a molecule going into your body. So think about that next time. Along with our Christmas candle. Is that what we call it? (laughs) Molecules going into our body? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll tell that to the next guy. Um, And the great thing about wine, you know, I like to say this to people. It's just like colors, right? The color purple isn't just purple. It's Red plus or blue a movie. Together. I was just going to say also a musical. <laughs> also a great movie with Oprah. <laughs> and um and so when you think about the flavor of the the magical thing about wine is that it is the most chemically complex fruit juice on the planet after fermentation. So when we we're not bullshitting when we say black cherry or strawberry, it's literally the same chemical that your brain identifies when you eat a strawberry. It's the same molecule there as in the wine so that's one of the kind of that's why it's mysteries yeah so <laughs> people usually ask like like um in restaurants like oh is there cherry in this you said strawberry they put strawberries in it no it's these chemicals develop. how do you get the strawberries in the wine <laughs> right right it's cute but it's not, it's not <laughs> it's how it works cute. <laughs> but anyway on the palate this is a dry wine it's not sweet mm-hmm. um you know uh the acid i would put maybe medium plus ish okay. um tannin maybe right around the same um, the body, body probably yaddy, yaddy. medium plus side alcohol. The fruit, I can confirm everything we said earlier. They're starting to get dry. There's a little like fig kind of character to it. There's, there's development on this wine. So mm-hmm. that tells me that there's some age here. All right. Um, and then we, we didn't really talk about non-fruit on the nose, but right. things that we, when we are expanding our vocabulary, cause it's, you know, wine is made from grapes. It's a fruit. So it's easy to think of fruit flavors, but then I always challenge people to think of as esoteric as a descriptor. Leather or tobacco. Right. Like Hunt use your yeah. sense Hints memory. Of underbrush. Anything you could do. Soubois. Gardenia. Like old books. Yeah. Oh, so like that's flowers a good smell, and rocks and different kinds of dirt. You know, if you're a gardener, there's a difference between really dark potting soil hmm. and then like the, you know, the dusty Long. soil that maybe you oh. put your your rosemary in, you know? Okay. So those are all different smells. And then herbs too, like rosemary and tarragon and bay leaf and all of these things can be aromas that you find in wine and mushrooms of all different sorts hmm. and your grandmother's perfume and different kinds of flowers and literally it's anything en- it's is fair endless. game. Okay. Yeah, it's almost endless. Tire fire, latex, hospital oh, so, love. Wow. Those are all things. What do we think we're drinking? Okay. Over there. Wait. Wait. So, so other like so non fruits to me. There's a little bit of like a baking spice, cinnamon, nutmeg. There maybe a little bit of new oak on this, although not a ton, um, because it's not overwhelmed by those desserty flavors. Um, so you think it's old world or new world? Um. What does that mean? Oh, good question. So I'll answer that one while he thinks <laughs> yeah. about that. So old world, new world. So old world basically is Europe. So we're talking oh. about France, Sp- uh, Spain, Italy, Germany, Hungary, all those other little countries that, that produce wine. Basically, that's the old world. The new world is everywhere else. So oh. basically, United States, Australia, um, Australia, New Zealand, oh, China, cool. Japan. Okay. Um, that, that's that's all considered all new world. Gotcha. Canada. Cool. And stylistically speaking, this is a generalization, but... The old world tends to be higher in the non-fruit category and and higher in acid, not quite as ripe. And the new world 
this is like a palette thing for the regions that are in the New World, tend to be fuller bodied, ripe, more ripe, higher in alcohol. Um, and so if you think about the difference between if you've ever had a red wine from Bordeaux, which is the home of Cab and Merlot, versus a Cab from Napa, you know, like Merlot and Bordeaux is like cedar and currant and like a little bit of toast and tart cherry. And then if you go Napa Cab, you're like, there's like vanilla and baked cherry Oak. and blueberry <clears throat> and and so that's old versus new. So okay. stylistically they're 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 different for mm-hmm. sure. Um, um I'm kind of in like a like a zen camp <laughs> with this. It's okay. a tough one. You know, I think it has a decent amount of alcohol. I think it has a broad spectrum of fruits and different kinds of ripenesses, which is all Zinfandels for me. It does have some age on it, which is kind of maybe throwing me off a little bit. Um, so if it wasn't Zinfandel for me, it's going to be something else that can be similar, maybe. And, and this is contradictory now. I'm back in the old world. If it's there like a like a Corvina something mm. or something, I don't know. Um, so that's from northern Italy, northeastern okay. Italy. But again, I know I said kind of in a new world-ish. I'm not sure where you're kind of landing with this one. All right. um, I'm also landing in the new world, um, but I think the the color and the fruit profile to me is very um, grenache mm. And also grenache is a grape that tends to oxidize a little bit quicker. So that browning in color could mean it has a little bit of age, but not quite so much as we would expect from a, a different grape. Um, and, uh, like all that red fruit and like it wouldn't be Aussie Grenache pie filling. <laughs> oh, more like, like, like fancy central coast Grenache. Oh, look. So I want to say it so is a Syrah Grenache blend. Oh, okay. So ah. when you were smelling it, you basically guessed that right as you were smelling it. I, I remember you said that. Oh, did I say it out loud? Yeah. You're like, oh, I think of Grenache. I was like. <laughs> I was like, shut up, Joe. She's getting into it. <laughs> but you, like, almost, like, instantly, like, honed in on it. And yeah. then I'm like, damn. For me, Grenache, well, this is has Syrah in it, too, so I, I'm not sure. It sounds like it has more Syrah, possibly, than Grenache. SGM. Uh, it's called a GSM wine. Oh, so okay. def- definitely so it's more Grenache. Grenache. Oh, okay. no, no, it's not. What, I... I know seventy five percent Grenache. Okay, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so GSM. That, yeah, that was one of our producers, Andy. Thank you. He, he's a wine person. Um, it's so, red. Uh, yeah, and I think like for me, Grenache is like all the raspberries in all different ways, and um, and yeah, Lots of like red fruit alcohol, mm-hmm. and then that slightly paler color because it is a thin skinned grape and a little more orange in the coloring because it's a grape that. That oxygen affects more, which is gets like really scientific. But some grapes tend to absorb more oxygen and, and turn color a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a uh, twenty twelve. Oh so, yeah, okay. so about eight years. So yeah, it's, it. it's like getting to that point where it's like right along the time that you're supposed to drink it. I would say this is different. Say this is drink now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it necessarily benefit for longer aging. Maybe the next couple of years, it'll be fine. Right. So what happens when wine ages? Um, the fruit just begins to fall away. When I say fall away is like, you won't be able to perceive it as much anymore. And none of us want to drink a wine where we can't taste any fruit. 
So this wine, I think it's showing beautifully. I think the development is at a really, really nice. It's on its apex right here, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Are we uh, all? It's great holiday wine, okay. too, because it tastes Absolutely. like I, That was going to be my next question, question is your suggestions uh -huh. for holiday wine. I mean, we can't really entertain, but, you know, <laughs> for if, a you're Zoom. Having, yeah, yeah. if you're having your family over and you want to have a nice wine or just not even wine, it could be anything that you think would be nice for not only a holiday celebration, but also like New Year's. Like, what are your suggestions? Yeah, I mean, what are you a, seeing? A, a, a lot. Like, I, I like I still like the, the, the light bodied red wine, especially with things like turkey and and holiday-esque for me is things like this. Like in my bag, I actually have a Grenache too. If you want to try another, a young one, it's 2019. It'd be cool to maybe compare okay. the two. Yeah, compare the two and see what it's like. Yeah. But Grenache, I think, is fantastic for, for the holidays. Um, it might get grandma drunk, which is perfect because it's higher in alcohol, <laughs> typically. Yay, so she'll be racist. More than normal. <laughs> Here's us bringing in our personal lives. Right. Give her an ambient. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't shit her pants. <laughs> oh! Oh, oh, too soon. Oh. That's personal. I'm like, It's what? not very personal. It's out there. <laughs> We're all uh, but back to the question at hand. <laughs> sparkling wine always, yes, right? 100%. And I know, I know, Molly's Molly's all for that. Um, sparkling wines for me that I've been really uh, excited about lately is um, um, in the northeastern or western part of Italy in Piedmont. There's some really spectacular sparkling wines. Uh, one that I had recently is called Cuvée Aurora. It's a um, Pinot Noir sparkling wine from Alta Langa. So it's a, the upper area of the Langhe. and oh, it's, I just love the way you say those. <laughs> it's Alta all made in. That's Chant a deli. No, that's Altadina. <laughs> yeah, not, not the same. That's the milk company. <laughs> it's all made in champagne method or the traditional method. It's just like champagne is made. And it's really, you can get a really great high quality vintage wine without paying like champagne type prices. Yeah. Of course, Cava, Prosecco. Uh, people love Prosecco, so I'm always an advocate for it for them. Not necessarily for me, per se. <laughs> you, um, you. I love this narrative <laughs> for you. Right? Not for me. <laughs> oh, trust me. I go to a party. I'm like, here's the wine for everybody. And then I have my wine over here. On the <laughs> it's on the side. Um, which is, which is, well, Prosecco that's tends fair. to be the one, one of the, of the few sparkling wines that is traditionally made with a little bit more sweetness to it. And so that's very palate pleasing, but I prefer much drier sparkling wines because they tend to be more palate cleansing. So if you're having like fried food appetizers, mm -hmm. uh, which are, you know, that's going to be big as we get more into like celebratory, just like hangouts in small groups, please. <laughs> uh, Potato with, chips with and traditional meta sparkling wine. Huh. Yeah. It's an awesome pairing. Like my, one of my favorite pairings for my 30th birthday, I literally just sat in a wine shop and drank champagne all night and I ordered like a 40 piece chicken McNugget <gasps> from McDonald's from McDonald's with oh, sweet and sour it. sauce and I invited like all of my friends to just swing by have some chicken nuggets have some oh champagne. you gave it to them well, I, I ate like you 20 shared. of them myself well, yeah as you should yeah. sharing is caring yeah. well had, not like, with McNuggets side stash of McNuggets for my friends big stash for myself yeah so you had the 20 piece and you gave them the like five exactly yeah I got you but yeah so. alright so is there a dinner or a restaurant that you guys have been to where the dinner and the wine pairing was spectacular. I mean, I, I know we've, we've both had those experiences. Um, we've planned them. We've attended yeah, them. Yeah. In so many ways, but I'll, I'll be, I'll tell you one where it was maybe kind of like, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Oh yes, um, please. So I went, I got the privilege to go to the number one restaurant in the world at the time, Osteria Francescana in Modena, Italy. And, <gasps> So on my birthday, I always travel somewhere and I always treat myself. That's my thing. Like 
That, that's that's all I do. And we're almost um, birthday twins. Yeah, we're yeah. one day apart. One day apart yeah. When's your birthdays? Yeah, May ten. May twelfth. Uh, May twelfth. Oh. So two days. Apart. Two days apart. Oh. Close. We're super close. Yeah, we're both Tauruses. Oh. Not stubborn at all. Um, <laughs> Rachel, um, you went for lunch, right? Or what's that? Did you go for lunch? I went or? for dinner. Okay, dinner. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was dinner, and it was a thirteen course meal. Everything had a pairing, and I was I was I was a hick there. I was like, I'm from Hawaii. I have tattoos. It's weird. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't fitting in. Doesn't matter. Anyway, I would say in, in that entire pairing experience, and, and everything was on the table from fruit juices to beers to ciders to alcohol to, to wine to cocktails, anything was game. And, they, and that, that was part of the pairing. But only maybe three of them out of the 13 were amazing. And that's how oh, hard it is to actually create a pairing. It's so hard because all of our, our physi- physiologically, we're all different, right? right. We, we process uh, chemicals and flavors and compounds differently than another person mm-hmm. would. And I'm sitting there in a three Michelin star restaurant going like, holy shit, like this guy did not nail this pairing, but it's okay. It's totally okay because I know how hard it is, but it made me actually kind of feel better in in, in what I do in the sense that like, it's really hard and it's Yeah, but I mean, let's be real. You're paying quite a bit of money for the experience and you want to be wowed because like when we did the restaurant at Meadowood, Mm -hmm. Andy did the wine pairing and it, it was like... Um, did you go to Vons and get this off the shelf? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Because this is not up to par. Like, yeah. and and R.I.P. Restaurant at Meadowood. Like, uh, no disrespect, right, right, right. but it's like, come on, they can right. sponsor us. No, but but, but, it, but that's the, that's the point though. Is it's not you can't hit the ball. You can't make an amazing pairing every single time. Mm-hmm. I think if if in the course of a meal I have one thing that's like you can't tell when one starts and the other begins, that's that's kind of where I start ju- judging it as like an amazing pairing. Mm. That is a huge success. Just to have like mm-hmm. one like that. Well, it's yeah. like in Broadway they say if you hit 50% of the notes you do a good job. So there you go. <laughs> right, right. I, I think hit they like say 75%, that. but yeah. But I will well, say a percentage. But like, you know, we went to WD50 in New York before they closed. And like they had, um, you know, wine, they did a wine pairing and stuff like that. I think they even had, did they do alcohol too? Or yeah. So they did alcohol and, and that one was mind blowingly good. Right, right. Like it, everything worked so perfectly, not only on its own, but with the dishes and stuff yeah. like too. I'm not saying it can't so, happen. Yeah. yeah. It can happen. This was who? Sure. W50? WD50. Oh, was it WD40s? Frames. Older sister. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the later experiment. <laughs> so what about you, Molly? Um, okay. So there are a couple different ways that I think about this because I don't, I don't personally really like pairing menus, tasting menus because, because maybe because of the keto thing, but like, I want, I want to order one big entree and just really dig into it and have a bottle of wine with it. And for me, that's much more satisfying than having a bunch of little dishes where, like, I'm not really into everything. I would never, I would never ask someone that's doing a really extensive pairing menu to cater to my food preferences because it's not an allergy, it's not a sensitivity. But I would rather just know exactly what I'm getting, want all of it, and eat the whole thing, and listen and listen enjoy a wine developing over the course of a meal then have a bunch of teeny tiny splashes of wine that I had to kind of like make sure I finished before we got to the next course Hmm. and so the best experiences for me are those like you just get to sit with your dish and you're you're the person that's at the table with you or the people that are at the table with you and you're talking about the wine like my favorite gif is 
Winnie the Pooh at the table with a fork and knife, like, mm. putting his little bib on. He's like, because <laughs> that's me before the ribeye comes to my table. Like, the most recent experience I can think of, I was down in the Valle de Guadalupe with a bunch of friends, and I ordered this ribeye at uh, this place called La, La Esperanza, Bahamar, Bahamed. It's on the east side of the Valle. Anyway, so... They specialize in meat. Their chef apparently goes hunting like once a year and dry ages a bunch of stuff. And I ordered this ribeye and it was like a 20 ounce ribeye. And you can do it. And the, and the woman was like, well, we've got like, um, I'm not the biggest fan of a ton of Baja wine because they tend to be really intense red wines with a lot of oak, which is not my style. And she was like, oh, we've got these, this older petite Syrah from LA Chetto and was like, let's do that. And it was, Really, honestly, one of the best petite sirahs I've had in a long time. And I was having this really rich ribeye and the tannins in the petite sirah and the fat and protein in the ribeye balance each other out. And and then I was there with a great group of friends who all got to order their own thing and like loved what they ordered versus this pairing menu where it's like it doesn't matter how beautiful the food is if there's something on the menu that's not your favorite thing then you're not going to be like super stoked about it's it it's not right. awesome yeah. and, and i think you're, you're probably like me in a sense that like the whole environment adds to it like i can have I, i've had some of the most amazing amazing wines that you know were really expensive or hard to get but in a very very um austere setting or a very analytical setting and it wasn't awesome and then I had like the same wine or wine that's way cheaper or or not as the same quality level, quote unquote. And what what surrounded the right friends and the right environment, the right food, and it is freaking amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it all it all adds. It's hard to separate it. All right. So I have one more question before we do the quick fire question. So this is gonna be a pretty easy one though, I I think, I hope. So <laughs> in your opinions, who do you think restaurant wise in San Diego has the best wine selection? Um, we're talking restaurant specific, not wine bar, things like that. Oh, you can do wine bar too. Yeah. Whatever. Like San Diego. Who has the best wine selection in San Diego? So the, the deepest is definitely Addison, but that it's a Bible. It's, you know, you really need Vicky is the, the wine director there and you need someone to hold your hand through that list. And I prefer lists that you can, you know, it's a couple pages. You can go through it. And it's very deliberate. And Too many selections can be a bad thing sometimes. I get overwhelmed. Like the it's a cheesecake yeah. factory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> You guys have to look up. There's this crazy, like, Twitter review of the Cheesecake Factory and, like, how it's the definition of what's wrong with America. And oh. I'll table that for later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it on my reminder when I watch right the Casey Boss <laughs> <laughs> Um. So, I guess... Um, well, I don't know. Do you have anything that pops up on the top of your head for restaurants? Not so much for restaurants. Um, I mean, and we're at so many restaurants and we work with so many of these restaurants. It's hard really to kind of just, you know, pick and choose necessarily. Um, you know, I would say maybe some of my favorite wine bars to go to, uh, Vino Carta in Little Italy is always spectacular. They always have some really fun wines. And I think what makes it great for me is that the, the people that are there working in the environment and who are guiding you kind of like in an experience is really fantastic. But we have so many great wine shops. We're so fortunate, I think, here in San Diego to have so much in a very small radius, mm-hmm. great wine bars, wine shops, really knowledgeable wine people. Our wine community is probably one of the tightest, like, 
in the well, nation. And honestly. yeah, like just uh, near you guys, Clo just opened up um, like in the pandemic. They're up on, in University Heights. Mm-hmm. Okay, super cute. The owners are lovely people and also very like good at their jobs and like Vino Carta and Clo and the Rose are very low intervention, natural wine focused. We didn't even get into that. Which is a whole. <laughs> That's another <laughs> podcast. Another podcast. podcast. <laughs> but, but, you know, like they do a, a good job of curating um, and you kind of, you know, if you, you have to understand that the natural wine is, you know, it's kind of like sour beer, right? Like what's your tolerance for it? Right. And, probably talk to the person who's selling you wine about that. Cause yeah. I go into these places and I'm like, I like very clean wine. So please do not sell me anything with sauerkraut. In it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but some time. people like that, you know, like some people like really sour beer and I don't even, I don't like really right. sour beer. So it's, it's, you know, it's everyone's perfect personal preference, but then you've got like the old school people like vintage who has a lot of like the banger classics right. of the wine world up in Miramar and the third corners offer some really great value and um they, shout out to village vino too because yeah, we love yeah. them oh yeah, <laughs> yeah um, fantastic. and all these places have like little food so they're still in mm-hmm. this so another thing that's affecting a lot of people's wine lists is the closures and opening and closures right. so almost every wine uh, every restaurant i know has been severely affected their wine list in particular because that's like where you cut the fat Right. So they're not adding new exciting things to their wine list. They're kind of doing the standbys. I will say like Juniper and Ivy has always had yeah. a a great pretty diverse selection. Um Urban the Herb the Malarkey restaurants, so Urban Sea and Urban Wood. Um Kettner Exchange. Kettner Exchange. If we're in Little Italy. Shout out to Kettner Exchange. Right. <laughs> um, and then June and Jolie has been doing right. a lot of fun stuff with their program right. with the cause they have like a hundred percent tasting menu at their restaurant right now. Right. Yeah. And so they've been doing really great with their wine pairings. Um cool. so those are those are some of my go tos. All right. Yeah. Quick fire question time. <laughs> All right. Oh wait, Billy needs wine. Oh, Billy has wine. So let's uh, let's get your glasses filled back up yeah. again before we get into this quick fire things. But uh, while we're doing that, before we get into quick fires, uh, Molly and Billy, why don't you give everybody um, your Instagram handles? Um, oh, if you have anything special coming up, <laughs> yeah. like your business stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so I forgot to mention that I also do a little bit of consulting. And that's related to my Instagram because it's the same handle. So my my Instagram handle is bar we there yet. Um, and <laughs> and it's basically just I mean it's my personal Instagram, so it has some of my own stuff on it. But it's a lot of like travel and experiencing bars and restaurants, and um and my opinion is all over it. And I'm so happy with that because it's my personal brand is so much in line with my person. So um, that's me. And then I work for Epic Wines and Spirits and they have their own Instagram handle. And um, we sell wine from all over the world. We've got some esoteric stuff from like Lebanon and stuff from Australia, New Zealand and Germany and, you know, every country. Well, with the exception of Eastern (laughs) Europe, I guess. Um, And... Uh, I would say, you know, if you're interested in wine and you're interested in learning more, 
please reach out to Billy and I. There's nothing more flattering than having someone reach out because, and not in a way that like we're better than you, but that we were there once. Right. right? And so I want someone to come on this journey with me. Cool. Yeah. And Billy, what about you? That was so well said. Um, (laughs) You're like, follow me at Billy underscore whatever your last name is on Instagram. (laughs) So I have a thought Instagram, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Is that <laughs> Billy <laughs> underscore the kid? Hey, maybe somebody wants to see that thought Instagram. No, my, my Is wine. it like an inspirational thought? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's thinking poses. Um, my, oh, you'll be thinking. My, the thinker. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Let it hang um, out. No, my, my Instagram handle is Billy by the glass. <laughs> and I it's this stuff like when I travel and go to wine regions and all that fun things. Nice. And uh, I do, I think we all do things on the side where we, we talk about wine with people, um, or corporate events and whatnot. And it's, and it's so much fun. And it's something that I think we do is cause we love it so much. We're never going to get rich mm. doing it or anything like that, like- but <laughs> it is something that, that, that we love to do. So, um, Billy by the glass on social media, Young's Market Company. Actually, update. Young's Market Company is merged with a company called RNDC. It's Texas. official. It is. T- official Y'all are getting today. to like whatever that word is. The <laughs> release. You get the industry. It like, it's yeah. fresh off the press. Yeah. Isn't that a thing? That's, yes. That's been a rumor on Breaking our news. side for a Right, yeah. right. Unprecedented gays exclusive. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? You're hired You're for free. We'll give you a free salary. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we've merged with a company out of Texas called RNDC, and it's it's a really fantastic thing because it just basically expands our our distribution distribution network. And I love Young's Market. Like a friend of mine is a um is a in house mixologist for them too. Oh, so. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I, I'm really happy. Um, there there's there's a handful of really great companies. Molly's is one of them. Obviously, Epic. I've worked a lot of them. With, I worked a lot with Epic when I was in the buying side, when I was still in restaurants. And then now I'm also really proud and happy to support and, and represent my company. Nice. And it's nice to be part of some uh, a company that really values diversity and, and actually really cares about you. Like, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, I, we've all had different jobs in our lives. And we're like, you've been in the, the one job, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm just a number to somebody <laughs> in HR. Uh, it, it's like it's corporate green. America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, grind me up, eat me. Like, who cares? But but then there's companies that actually care, and it's, and and, that, and that's really nice. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I feel the it. same way about Epic, and so his company is probably what number two in the state. As far, yeah, as far as how how large we are, registration. And mine's yeah. five, and so we're both working for relatively large companies, considering how many smaller distributors mm-hmm. there are. But and there, you know, like there are pros and cons for everything. But I feel really supported by my entire upper management and then my team in San Diego is like there are only four of us and we're tight and they're supportive and I'm the only woman on the team in in San Diego and and like they've they're all really great men that have been willing to listen to issues that I've brought up about diversity and discrimination and so um and then in addition to just being like it's a good job it has Mm -hmm. Health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> we're, we're fortunate. We're so fortunate, I good. think, to, 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 to be where we're at. For so and we're fortunate process. to have you. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Hashtag thanks. <laughs> Thankful. All right. So it is time for the quick fire questions. Y'all ready? Okay, so ready. I'm going to talk. More wine. Okay. Need more wine. Okay. So first one. If you were a real housewife, what would your tagline be? 
Okay, I'm the worst gay because I don't watch Real Housewives. I don't want to see it. I don't <laughs> watch Real Housewives. Okay. What's your, what, what is like, your tagline? Like, what would your tagline be? Like, what is your grinder handle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long is this? <laughs> a non-top. No, I'm kidding. Like, wait, like what? Just a sentence. <laughs> Fuck. See, like, mine is, I don't have to get ready because I stay ready. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what about you, Molly, while he's um, thinking? <laughs> mine would be Bubbles, Bubbles, My Bubbles. Okay. <laughs> From Finding Nemo. Yeah. I got that. <laughs> I did not get that. That was so cute and well said. I, can, can, I, can I skip and come back? Okay. I lose a point. Fine. 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 For a question. For a reason. <laughs> All right. You're fired. So, which celebrity is your hall pass? Mm, Clive Owen. Wait, what is it? Clive Owen. Oh, okay, Clive Owen. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you said 501, and I'm like, who? <laughs> Aren't those Levi's? <laughs> I say I always have a hall pass. <laughs> oh. Because, I mean, like, especially as my adult years, hashtag open relationships are like... Okay. <laughs> like, That's his hashtag. Yeah. yeah there, oh, there you go. There you go. Hashtag open Your tagline would be, why keep it closed when you can have it open? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your tagline. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Put it on all your profiles. <laughs> right. and that's your new Instagram name. <laughs> all right. So this one is, I think, a fun one. So if you were a wine, how would you be described? Hmm. <laughs> They're like, oh god. Okay. Now, Billy, you can't say big and fruity. That's just not. <laughs> right, right. I mean, why can't I? Too easy. Yeah, it is too easy. <laughs> He's more underbrushy. Okay. <laughs> a little soubois. I smell a little fromunda. A little soubois. <laughs> is that soil? an Australian thing? <laughs> a from like fromunda down under. <laughs> Dark fruits. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some spice. I don't know. So who's Very, like an earthy? I'm okay, okay. like easy to drink, oh, but sometimes my. need food depending. <laughs> yeah. So a moderate amount of tannins. Um, <laughs> I um, I would say bright, pensive, and fun. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, thought gonna, like, I thought I was going to stump you, but I only stumped Billy. Oh, no, yeah. I'm really into euphemisms. It's like my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Molly's not getting stumped. That's, that's not possible. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Molly Brooks and Billy Nordmeyer, for being on our show. Yeah. We really thank, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Can you I plug one thing? Oh, yeah. Plug There's an event coming up with Inside Out Restaurant here in Hillcrest. Mm. Love going there. I I, I, uh, I work with them as a sommelier sometimes for their wine clubs. And um, they are starting this this new event series called the Wine Travel Club. Because we're all so, I don't know, angsty and, and, and wanting to travel or do things with our lives because we're so stuck in our houses and our ruts. And this is the way we're going to be able to travel is via wine and food experiences. Oh. So starting next Wednesday is our first of the series. It's South America. It's wines and food inspira- inspired from, from South America. So oh. Chef um, MJ uh, from, from Inside Out. And I'll be there as a sommelier guiding, guiding people through, nice. through the flights and tastings. So it's, it's going to be tons of fun. It's $65 per person. Every it's not week? weekly. It's once a month. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be once a month. Um, they do their wine club. And then this is a, another event that they're doing. Um, and it may be virtual or not, depending on what's happening in our, in our restaurant yeah. world coming up. Yeah. But it's, it's a really great way to support a local restaurant. I and agree. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. Well, well, get okay. out there, everybody. Yes, well, please. Or, check like, out get on Zoom. Out. Get out. Do yeah. something get safely to in, support. But, <laughs> but stay apart. But enjoy but outside. And <laughs> Avoid the underbrush. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being here. Yes, thank I you I hope so you guys much. have a happy holidays. We really appreciate you, you coming yeah. on. Yeah. Thank you. And Joe, 
I hope you have a great week. I know. I'm glad that we get to see each other I next know. week. Happy holidays. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great week. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Special thanks to Andrew Smith and Nick Stone for producing the show. If you like us, please follow us at TUGazePod on Instagram and visit us online at TUGazePod.com. You can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and let us know topics you'd like to hear. And always remember, stay safe, stay classy, stay sassy, and always stay a little bit trashy. See you next week.